This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? Welcome. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Logan coming to us from Mobile, Alabama, site of the Senior Bowl. Logan, uh, how is it down there? I miss the Senior Bowl. It's probably one of my favorite events on the NFL calendar. It's cool, man. Like I came down here and not really knowing what to expect. First off, my trip down here was absolutely insane, but finally, yes. finally made it, got here. And it's so different than like the combine, for example. There's so much less like sheen on it, and your your access to scouts, your access to coaches is just so much greater because it's just they're right there. You can talk to the players after every practice if you want to. It's it's pretty cool. So um, I don't know. I, I like the event. I like the access. I like the way it's structured, and obviously the way it's run. Uh, so I'm, I'm just excited to you know we'll talk about practice from yesterday. Uh, but, you know, excited to talk, just watch the rest of the week and see how these guys play. Cause I'm here, I'm here really for the football as much as all that other stuff is great, you know? Yeah. I mean, the access is, is the best that you get. And it's also the access to the players. Um, it is the only event that's like this. I mean, I guess if you go to like the NFL PA college bowl or some of the right. other small or the shrine, bowl games, bowl. the shrine bowl, you get some of that as well, but like the senior bowl, because it's not NFL run. Like that's, that's the other thing that is, um, I don't want to say nice about it and like take a dig at the NFL, but like it's run by the senior bowl organization. Um, Jim Nagy and, and the crew down there do such a great job of running it. And because there's kind of less of the formal barriers, I mean, I used to watch practice. I try, I try to always get one practice in sitting next to like one of the, the Washington scouts and just be like, let's talk ball, keep an eye on practice. Hey, what do you like about this guy? You know, and they, they would be cool with it. And that's just not a thing that you can do. Um, really anywhere else. And then also, you know, you get to watch the workouts. That's the other thing. Like in, at the combine, it, it's always so silly because you're there in Indy watching on TV like everyone right. else. And so if you can actually get access to see these guys up close, you have a better feel for them. And you can do, especially if you're someone like you with your background and, and your knowledge level, like you get some some football knowledge that you uh, are some some glean some things that you can't watching tape that you can't mm -hmm. um you know just by hearing or reading scouting reports you can really see the size feel the strength see the speed um i remember I'll, one last quick story for me before we get into what you've seen so far and how the commanders are treating this uh whatever year baker came out was that 18 i think um, that um he came out yeah maybe, whatever year he came out um he 
came like a couple days late and it was like a big mystery. Is Baker going to come? Is he not? Is he, is he going to come? Is he not? And we finally found out like, yeah, he's coming. And he shows up and the whole tenor of the week changed. Mm-hmm. And like, you could see the leadership, you could see the charisma and then he starts throwing and you can see the arm. And I remember being down there going, that dude's going number one. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know there's other guys that are in consideration here. He's going to beat out them all because just his demeanor Mm-hmm. He, the way he carried himself, his energy, the way he he stole the week, I was like, that's a franchise quarterback. Right. And obviously, it's it's gone up and down for Baker in his career. Had some really good years in Cleveland, and obviously, it's kind of gone downhill. But there there was no surprise to me when he ultimately went number one to Cleveland based off of that Senior Bowl week. So those are the kind of things that you can feel in person. Um, so what is kind of the vibe down there this week? I know it's a bit of a lighter roster in terms of star power than some previous years. Sure. Um, but w- what is the vibe down there in Mobile for the Senior Bowl this year so far? Well, I think the I think the the roster that they've constructed down here kind of reflects the draft. So what I mean by that is there's a lot of like really talented edge rushers, supposedly, right? Guys who are going to be, you know, maybe not the number one guys in the draft. Like Tyree Wilson was supposed to be down here the kid from Texas tech, who's like six, six, he's got those like uh, 36 inch arms. He's like kind of this year's um, Trayvon Walker, you know, kind of athletic freak, really big dude. And he was supposed to be down here, but then he's projected to be a top five pick. So it's like, well, actually I'm not going to come. And so you lose some of those kind of top end guys, but, uh, and I, so there's that element. Then there's the, you know, the offensive line this year, I think is very, is deeper than people are going to talk about. I don't think the top three guys are as good, as they were last year, but I think the middle of this draft class for the O-line is, is really talented, and that shows up every day. There's three good centers. They all practice really, really well. Um, and then there's this is a very deep cornerback class, and all like the top, I think it's like top eight, nine, ten guys who are kind of projected to go in the first, top of the first, top of the second, aren't here. Um, but I will say that this is kind of where you find that second third fourth round gem and there's some guys that have done a nice job i will say the thing that's a little disappointing obviously is the quarterback play because all the top guys are the top guys and these guys are a little bit middling and then the um the receivers are kind of so-so i think there's some good backs here and so some good linebackers but i think the receiver talent is probably the lowest and, and i think that reflects um the overall draft composition like the top end receivers addison and johnson are good players but are they first round picks in another year, probably not, you know? So I think that, um, you know, that I think that, that this draft class is kind of the, the senior bowl reflects the draft class in, in a really specific way. If you look at those strengths and weaknesses and, and kind of look ahead to some of the teams in front of Washington, do you think this ultimately plays out to be a good thing for Washington? Cause while some of the strengths don't match up, a lot of them do specifically on that O line. Yeah. Um, so like, early look where it's it's february 1st yeah uh the, the draft is still april but this is what we do for a couple of yeah. months like how does the draft and the talent pool shape up for washington if they were to stay at 16 yeah so i think the thing that i've been kind of kicking around is that i think the first three <clears throat> offensive linemen are probably going to be gone uh broderick jones who i haven't watched yet is project has been projected to us in a couple mock drafts he would be a possibility at 16 but I've also seen mocks where all three of those guys are gone already. Um, the kid from Northwestern, the left tackle from Ohio State, and then uh, Roger Jones, right, are the top three guys. And if that's the case, I think then they probably go DB in the first round because, like I said, there's like literally like eight 
to 10 guys who are, you know, probably have first round grades that are kind of being mocked in the first round. So obviously a very, very deep cornerback group. And I think that that's going to characterize the first round. I think you'll see probably eight DBs go. And I think Washington will probably be a team that takes one. If that's true and there are eight DBs selected, I think that bodes well for them getting a very talented offensive lineman in the second round. Now, we could do a lot of talking about offensive line. I don't know how much you want to talk about that on the podcast, but this is, a again, a, like a deep group with some guys that I think are very, very good football players. And, uh, yeah, and I'd like to probably delve into that a little bit, I think. Yeah, no, let's do it. Um, because the commanders – so, like, if we were to identify team needs, um, we would say they need another corner. Um a nickel corner would be ideal, I think, because um, you got St. Juice mm. on the outside, and then uh, we'll see what they do with Kendall or with Kendall, uh, whether they bring him back uh, as is contract wise, whether they they restructure him, uh, or you might need another outside corner. Um, you know, depending on what you you do with some of the other guys, um, the younger guys, and how they develop. Uh, and then also, I mean, Danny was good, but I, I think they're very clearly looking to upgrade it at slot mm-hmm. corner. So so DB right. certainly uh, is a need. Offensive line, they need at least two, if not three. Right. Um, and then they probably need another linebacker. Um, and the good news is that kind of ends the list of like need needs. There's need other needs, things like yeah. they need they need a kick returner, um, but that's not high on your list necessarily. And it's the kind of thing you can get for a bargain in free agency. Um, so there's there's like definitely other things, but those are your highest level needs, and you've got your first round pick and a ton of cap space to be able to do that if you don't blow a ton of money on a quarterback Mm -hmm. so uh by the way speaking of quarterbacks uh we will react to the tom brady news uh, coming up at the end of the podcast someone who obviously will not be going to the commanders because he's not going anywhere (laughs) um but uh how like that that's kind of the interesting thing is like okay you're going to use some money on free agents at Mm -hmm. a premier position and one of those premier needs and then your first round draft pick theoretically is going to get the other. But the hard part is like the the free agency period coming first mm-hmm. means you kind of got to guess. Um, right. So what kind of depth if, if you say like, all right, we're going to leave one of these O-line spots for the draft. How does that match up with where they're sitting and kind of the depth of the draft? What kind of what caliber of player you can get, not just over the long term, but immediately at right tackle at the guard spots and even frankly at center where chase Rouye, if you wanted to move on from him contractually like you could save a decent amount of money and with the injury history it feels like you need some some depth there uh, because you can't necessarily count on him right so i think what you'll probably end up doing is is this free agent market is not very good so i think that obviously immediately just bumps the value of the draft right so um you know everyone says oh you can wait on corner you can find a quarter in free agency not a great cornerback for agency but very strong <clears throat> very strong in terms of drafts offensive line there's orlando brown jr in kansas city and then there's caleb mcgarry in atlanta i would imagine they're going to try and ex- find a way to extend caleb in atlanta and i would imagine they're going to do something to keep orlando brown jr in kansas city so um you know if those top free agents are off the board like who do you go to and it's the list is not very long so i, I will say you know if, if if i'm if i'm the commanders what i'm thinking is i probably go corner in the corner or offensive tackle in the first round and then i get the other one in the second round i would probably say corner because i, I think the corner class really dips off and i think um if i was going to kind of point to something specifically so like there's some guys here who are pretty good cornerbacks right at the senior bowl 
And of the guys that were supposed to do well, um, not all of them did did very well. And the guy that did really well was Julius Burtz out of Kansas State, who is this 6'3", 200-pound corner who played a lot of uh, cover four in college and looked like he struggled at times, but was probably the best in the one-on-ones yesterday, right? So interesting, like Tyreek Stevenson, um, you know, Rajon Wright, these guys that were supposed to be really good, who I have higher grades on from the tape, they performed not as well as this other guy, Julius Bird. So it's like, again, how do you weigh that? But I think that the second class of corner in this class is probably not as good as those top end guys like like Devon Witherspoon or something like that. So I would probably go corner in the first round just because I think the value is a little bit better there for the team. I think there's a lot of them that are really good. And then I'd say you kind of get your pick of offensive linemen. So there's Jalen Duncan from Maryland. He measured a little bit smaller than a lot of people thought, but he's like Trent Williams athletic. So that's always exciting. But despite this Trent Williams athleticism, he's super inconsistent like on film. So this is a big week for him for coaches. You mentioned like getting to know him. I talked to some guys uh, from Washington who said that they were really interested in speaking with him because they want to kind of understand where this inconsistency comes from, you know, and, and understand him better as a player. Right. Then there's Matthew uh, Bergeron from Syracuse. Again, a guy that is very take consistent. him because he went to the best school on earth. I mean, yeah, honestly. I do. I mean, but like he's he looked good. Like that's the thing. Like we're going to go through a lot of offensive linemen because they all look good and they all look good in one on ones, which is for an offensive lineman, Craig, as you know, like very, very hard to do. Like they all yeah. looked dominant and then like darnell wright the kid from tennessee who's six six i think he weighed in at 345 huge man he looked like that dude like he looked like a first round guy and so the fact that he's here like is he trying to bump himself into the first round maybe but if he's available at 16 i think you sprint to the podium to get him because he i don't want to say was the most dominant offensive lineman here because there was a couple other guys who had good days but I was so impressed with him. Like, if I was his agent, I'd be like, hey, man, you could probably go home now. You know, like... And that happens, by the way. You have a good day at the Senior Bowl, and you get some buzz, and, you know, scouts are reaching out to your... your Or to you as an agent. Be like, hey, man, like, we really like your guy. I don't know that he needs to do a lot more. Yeah. You you shut it down. Yeah. Like, just watching him in, like, in one-on-ones, like his... You know, he's three he's 345. So, for him to the kick back in his pass sets, for him to sit on bulls the way he did in the run game... The, the short area quickness to just kind of pop someone in the mouth. Like, I was super impressed with him. He had the best game against the best defensive player in college football, Will Anderson in Alabama. So, for me, I know he's only had one really good year of college production, so the consistency thing there from a season standpoint, like year to year, I think is really interesting. But I was so impressed with him. So, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the week goes um, with that. And then I want to say, like, Tyler Steen out of Alabama, again, like – like we've already talked about four people who had excellent days in one-on-ones, which is a defensive drill. You know what I'm saying? It like right. doesn't make a lot of sense that they all had good days, but there's no way all of these guys go in the first round is my point. So if all these, so, you know, maybe like Darnell Wright sneaks into the first round and maybe Dewan Jones, the Ohio state tackle, who's everyone's talking about. He's six, eight, he weighed in at three seventy-five. He's got 30 sec, th- 36 and three quarter inch arms, which is, like, that's, a, that's a lot of reach. It's an alien number. He was dominant in one-on-ones yesterday. I, I, we watched him. Remember, Craig? We watched him. Um, yep. And he's, again, there's a little bit of athletic inconsistency. But because he has this tremendous length and because he is a good athlete for a man that size, like he might screw around and sneak into the first round. So if, let's say, Darnell Wright and um, – Dewan Jones sneaking into the first round or the early in the second, you still have a pick of three really good offensive linemen who could play right tackle for you if you're picking in that in that second round area. So 
for me, I was just super impressed. And then we haven't even talked about the centers. And I think the centers are maybe the most interesting one because Ron, Marty have all kind of specified that they're really interested in finding a center, a young center, a guy that can do some stuff for them. And the kid from uh, Minnesota, what's his name? Uh, John Michael Schmitz. I, like John looked, Jacob Jingleheimer Schmitz. Yes, right. He looks got my inner Chris Berman and it came out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, John he looked like, Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. He looked like the best center in the draft. Now, is he going to be there in the third round if you pick a right tackle in the second? Like, probably not, but did a great job in pass protection, could reach a shade, all those things, which I was a little uncertain about watching because he's not the fastest footed guy in the world. And then I'm not even going to attempt this guy's name. Actually, I'm going to attempt it. It's a, a, a slew gun. Olawatam is what I'm going to say from Michigan as a center who's kind of in that same sphere as Schmitz. Didn't have as great a day, but is still a good football player. Does he sneak to the third? Can you get your center of the future there? I don't know. And then there's all these guys who are guard converts who are now playing center to kind of show their position versatility. So maybe you fall in love with one of those guys. So the point is, yeah. long story short, really good opportunity to build your offensive line out and not have to pay a premium in terms of first round pick for it, I guess is what I'm saying. If 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 you want to pick him in the first round, pick him in the first round. If you don't feel like that's a necessity and you f- feel like corner value is better, I think there's there's four guys that on, at offensive tackle you feel really good about, and then there's two centers, probably three centers that you feel really good about. So right. I think that bodes well for Washington in terms of addressing some of the issues that they have. And a ton of guards, obviously, as you we were just talking about as well. For whatever it's worth, um, looking at one mock draft, um, and I've looked yep. at a couple, um, but just I have one in front of me right now to not like start just reading off a bunch of mock drafts on a podcast. But like this is from the Athletic a couple days ago, um, and they've got kind of the tackle corner run starting at eight with Paris mm-hmm. Johnson. Right. Um, you got the kid from Northwestern going ninth, uh, Peter Skaronsky, which is a great offensive lineman name. Right. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, going 10 is a corner. Uh, 12th, you've got, oh, so that was Jordan Addison, wide receiver. Uh, Broderick Jones going 13th uh, to the Jets. Uh, and then Devin Witherspoon going 15th. And then 16, Christian Gonzalez. Right. Uh, to or the corner out of Oregon going to Washington with Ke- uh, Kelly Ringo, the corner out of Georgia, going after him in this mock. So like that that corner offensive tackle run, like that's going to be a fun thing to talk right. about on draft night because those guys are probably going to start going in that range. Now in the same mock draft, you scroll down to the second round and you have kind of the same thing happening again. Mm, you know, around that those same picks. Um, Cody Mouch, the offensive lineman out of North Dakota State, goes 43. Um, then you have uh, Washington taking Jalen Duncan, the tackle out of Maryland at 47. Right. Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, offensive tackle going 48. So you kind of have a lot of the similar guys with, with, by the way, Matthew Bergeron, the Syracuse guard, not going until later. Darnell Wright going later. Uh, DeJuan Jones going later. So like kind of that 40 to 55 range. You're going to see that yeah. next run on both corners and offensive linemen, at least the way the draft is shaping up right now. We have two months for teams to reshape their boards, but like that's what we're looking at. Right. And I think that that feels right. Now, I think the names will probably, they'll for sure change in right. terms of sequencing. Like based on yesterday, so one day of Senior Bowl, Darnell Wright and Dewan Jones will go before uh, Duncan, I think, based right. on yesterday's practice. Now, when they get to the combine, they have interviews, all of those things show up. 
and maybe it reshuffles back to normal. But I think that's exactly what you're looking at. You're looking at a high tackle DB run, and you're looking at another one in the second round. And I think if you didn't get your DB in the first round, you're getting him in the second round. And if you didn't get your tackle in the first round, you're getting in the second round. And I think if you're a team that needs that stuff, like Washington, I think you're in a really good spot, quite frankly. So, like, of all the years to kind of have a down receiver class, to have all these kind of issues with the draft, the two areas of strength, I think, are things that Washington needs. So, right. perfect, you know? Yeah, and then we'll see, obviously, what happens with, like, Deron Payne. All of a sudden, if they have two first-rounders because they make a trade right. there, like, you know, could they get two really high-level starters depending on who they trade with, all that kind right. of stuff. Uh, is certainly in the mix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I right, Logan, I wanted to touch or ask you something real quick about kind of the evaluation process mm-hmm. with Washington specifically, not having an OC currently. If oh, you're yeah. on that scouting staff, like I, I know it obviously can be done. This is a thing that happens all the time in the NFL, but you don't know what scheme you're playing next year. Like right. you're still writing your reports, like the trait a guy doesn't go from running a four six to a four four. Uh, in because you're running Air Coryell versus West Coast, but um, what what is the kind of process that you would be going through right now? How are you organizing your reports? Mm-hmm. What kind of things are you prioritizing? Not knowing what, um, like not not knowing right. how this piece is going to ultimately fit into a system of needs. Yeah. And that's a really good question because it is tough. And so what I've done is I just said, who is the best player? Like full stop. Who is the guy that's going to be? So like, I do like a, I do like a green, yellow, orange, red kind of tier. So I can just look at the sheet and be like, these mm-hmm. are the greens, these are the whatever. And like I said, I have four green offensive linemen at the senior bowl right now. Right. And I have right now I have two DBs, but I haven't finished the DBs yet. Right. Um, and so the thing that I say is like, these are the guys that are going to be stars in the NFL. Like they will be now how good they are is probably system dependent. So like, let's take the Juan Jones. Cause he's like everybody, he's the flavor of the day right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an excellent athlete for being 375 pounds. He's got the longest arms, like in the in, in senior bowl history. And he had like a dominant day yesterday, but if I'm running outside zone, like I probably devalue him a little bit, you know, like right. I think he, I think he's physically capable of doing it. I think he can move. And I think when you watch his Ohio state tape, you say there are, some movement skills that actually you say he could do outside zone, but do I want to major an outside zone with him as my right tackle? Probably not. You know, so then I'd probably prioritize a guy like Darnell Wright, but even Darnell Wright, despite his tremendous foot speed to try to, despite his tremendous size, 
maybe I want to go someone a little bit smaller. And then I, then I prioritize Jalen Duncan, who is this freak athlete who can run like a deer and move around and just do all this crazy stuff. So maybe just because of a scheme fit, he moves up my board and becomes my number one tackle. And like, you know, in, in my film watching, he was for sure my number one tackle. But then after kind of combining that with the senior bowl and how dominant some of these other guys were in the one-on-ones, you're like, man, like I, that, that, that factors into the evaluation. So right. not that that would be a bad thing if you had to draft, if you had to draft Jalen Duncan, you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be a terrible thing. Like they're right. all, there's four starters right now. It's just about which one of those four, in my opinion, would be the correct fit. And the same thing applies to center, right? If like uh, Schmidt or whatever his name is, the kid from Minnesota is a big body center who's not the fastest footed guy. He showed me some stuff yesterday that was very impressive in terms of movement skills. But if if that's the case, I'm probably going with the guy from Notre Dame or probably going with the guy from Michigan who are a little bit more twitchy. And again, that's just a simple scheme shift. If I want to do a lot of drop back passing, the bigger tackles are nice. The bigger center's nice. All those things factor in in terms of so we've established that there are these four guys that could play. Now mm -hmm. we just have to say, how do we prioritize them in our scheme? And I think that is something that is always going to be looming over this process until the OC is hired. Right. And so just to clarify, right, um, they'll submit their reports. And as long as you have an OC by the draft, which there's 0% chance that they don't, uh, <laughs> they'll have one by the combine. They'll probably have one by the end of next week. Uh, right. Well, maybe not the end of next week if it's the enemy because, uh, you know, they might need to wait till after the Super Bowl. But mid-February at the, at the latest, then it's like, okay, based off what we saw, this is how he would plug into outside, an outside zone-based scheme. This is right, how he would plug into. So for the scouts, it's like not that big of a deal. Maybe it makes it a little bit harder. Your, your Nets cats is a little bit wider. You're doing a little bit more guessing uh, as opposed to really thinking through that lens, but it really doesn't have that big of an impact. Um, the one thing I think you do miss is not having them there to interview. And this is, yes. you know, like Ron yes. is also not there. And if you have your OC or your head coach and you're looking at a guy in the first round, like you want those guys to have conversations. And while there are opportunities at the combine and on the team visits, it is just one thing that kind of passes by. Um, ultimately, getting the right guy in is more important. Like hiring the right OC is more important than hiring that guy fast enough that he can talk to a prospect at the senior bowl. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's interesting um, to, to say or to not have that opportunity. Although I, as I say this, this thought just came to mind. So I apologize for rambling. I do remember talking to some of the scouts and like some of the, the college folks uh, when I was on the beat mm -hmm. and they kind of appreciated when the coaches didn't come to the senior bowl, right? Because the coaches, as you go, get more involved in the process and that the scouts need to have their reports like compiled and finished. Mm -hmm. And this is a chance for them to get that one-on-one -on -one time as scouts. And then later on, once they've got kind of their finished reports and they've said, hey, this is someone we should really be targeting, the coaches can then lead those interviews at the combine and on the visits. Um, so this is, it, it's still kind of in-season scouting, if you will, mm -hmm. versus the... Um, the off-season scouting, like draft prep, that kind of more is the mode you're in at the combine and beyond. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things. Like I talked to Ron last year at the combine in terms of not having to take on the full scouting responsibility, like the hiring of Martin Mayhew. You know, like what that means for him. And Martin's here, so yeah. Ron trusts yeah, yeah. Martin, right? And Martin's going to handle that interview process. So instead of Ron having to kind of go down there 
waste his offseason, kind of burn the candle at both – not waste the offseason, but burn the candle at both ends. He can kind of be fresh, and Martin can do his job and say, these were the things I interviewed him about. These are the things – and kind of set the, set the table for those – you know, those 30 visits that they have in the combine and all those different things and kind of lay that down for Ron so that Ron doesn't have to handle all that stuff. And then Ron can kind of be the traditional head coach role. And when it's time for Ron to enter the interview process, like he can do that, you know? And then like, obviously, like I was on the flight with Ken Zampezi, he's down here. And I said, you know, why are you down here? He's like, well, I haven't even started my, my film watching yet. I feel like this is the most important step because I get a feel for the guy, you know, I get a feel for the human being. And to me, that's more of a priority. And so that makes a lot of sense to me too. Cause it's like, I don't want to watch film on a guy that I don't, that I can't coach or I don't like. And he had a couple of really good examples from his career that kind of alluded to that and why that was important. So I think like, it just kind of depends on the coach, depends on the guy, depends on the structure. But I also think like, this is a, this is a scouts event more than a coach's event. So right. if the coach isn't here, it should, you should buy oh, coaches in here. It's like, that's why you hire a guy like Martin, right? That's why you have your, right college scouts and th they're all here they're all watching this because this is an important data point and then i had a conversation with mike mcdaniel last year about like whether he goes to the senior bowl whether he goes to the combine and he was like i don't watch any of the stuff anymore because i can watch it all on film and because i watch so much film i get a better comparison of the guys does that make sense what i'm saying right so right. you're watching film to film versus like right. oh wow this guy's really fast in person then you watch him on film you're like was he yeah right and so i think that's and so again like everyone's got a different process so that's yeah. what that's what i love about scouting is it's like this inexact science you know like everyone thinks they've got their tells and they've got their little things that that kind of give you the edge but ultimately it's a crapshoot so like you're factoring in what you see from the season what you see from the senior bowl what you see from the combine and then the most important element that we are not privy to as as analysts is mm -hmm. the interview process. One hundred percent. The coaches that's where that's what separates their draft board. And I had a conversation with a coach one time. This was interesting. Talk speaking of like where and how to weigh the Senior Bowl in the evaluation process, and he was like, "Don't let a bad Senior Bowl outweigh a full season of good tape." Right. You know what right. I mean? And so like as much as people want to put a lot of weight on this and they should, because it's good versus good, you, you know, guys are getting coached or doing different stuff. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's one, it's one week of practice ultimately, you know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. And while it's an important piece, it's not the only piece. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, that's a great point. And I think sometimes we get, we ride the waves a little bit too much. And sure. then all of a sudden in draft day, it's like, how did that guy who was awesome all four years of college and had a bad 40 yard <laughs> dash at the combine go in the first round? It's like, yeah. I don't know, maybe he was a good football player. <laughs> um, and as far as like Ron not being there, for instance, like he's got to hire his coaching staff, right? He's, sure. he's probably talking to whoever working on that. And also free agency is first. And so maybe at this point, I don't know, but like, this is also the time of year that a lot of like the pro scout meetings are happening. And so they got to set their free agency board. And obviously, you know, Martin needs to be a part of that as well. So it's not like they're working behind the GM's back, but like, there's a whole other scouting department within every NFL organization that has a job to do on the free agent side before you even get to the draft. And a lot of times that work, they want it to be done first one because free agency happens first, but two, then they bring in the pro scouts to the college process to get another set of eyes on sure. everything. 
And so there's a lot that's happening kind of simultaneously, um, you know, parallel timelines, if you will. And so Ron certainly, like, I don't know whether Ron is currently doing season review work right now, sure. whether he's doing pro scouting right now, whether he's focused on his staff right now, but there is plenty to do for him that doesn't involve being at the senior bowl. And I think also you bring up a really good point there is the draft informs your free agent decisions so let's say let's just say for example that the the second tier of tackle in this class wasn't very good i'm going to be a little bit more desperate in free agency to find a tackle right mm -hmm. like it just makes sense so you need to kind of have a baseline understanding of how to value the tackle market based on the draft like they, they are linked you know what i'm saying so i can't make decisions i i, I wouldn't want to make a decision about a free agent without having some information about the draftable prospects at offensive line. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, totally. And, and so for me, like this is all part of the process. So to think that it, it happens in like this perfect linear order, which you're pointing out is ridiculous because you, you, you need all the information or at least an idea of the information before you go in and, and make some of these off season decisions. Yeah. Um, that's exact. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. Uh, when we get back, uh, some thoughts on Tom Brady, uh, retiring, and uh, that's how we end the show here on Take Command. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. All right, Logan, let's wrap up with the news of the day, which, of course, is that Beyonce has announced her world tour. <laughs> I'm sure that is news, but that, that is the news of the day. Yeah. Uh, secondarily, Tom Brady also announced his retirement. Um, you played against Brady, obviously. Uh, first of all, just how weird is it? Like he was he was probably what, 10 years into his career when you got into the league and he's still playing uh, until this year and you've been out for what three years now yeah so just like for some context I remember he was in like year 10 or 11 and he and his son was Norm Chow's agent or yeah no his Norm Chow's agent or son was his agent and so he'd come to UCLA and throw and he needed somebody to like catch balls for him mm -hmm. so he was in like year 10 or 11 like kind of you know at the peak of his powers seemingly and I would go catch balls for him. Like, you know, oh, me down nice. I didn't realize like a, you knew, had a, a quasi-personal well, relationship with him. It's, I mean, personal is a strong word, but I'd go yeah, down. Yeah, but like and, you, you've had experience with him. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, you know, his attention to detail in that moment was like something that really showed me what it meant to be a pro, you know? And then to see him just kind of just kick father time in the teeth. I mean, it's he's the best quarterback of all time. He's the most winningest, whatever those stats are. And um, I really like how he did it today. You know, he kind of just did like a little, you know, Instagram post or, you, you know, YouTube video or whatever he did. And I think there was some, uh, I just like that, you know, that it was kind of subdued. And, you know, part of me, because I was a fan, my, my my parents are from New England. So, you know, we're they're big Tom Brady fans. And part of me was hoping he'd come back for one more run and, you know, get back to the Super Bowl, get back to that level that we saw. But I also understand that, you know, it's um, it's tough, man. It's a tough deal to be at that point in your life, at that point in your career and, and try to get competitively that high again. So 
Um, you know, I don't think he has anything else to prove. I don't think he has any more money to make. I don't think it's really just his call. And like, if, if there's one way to go out, like that's the way you want to go. You know what I mean? And um, I don't think his legacy is like messed up or anything like that. It's one of the best no. legacies of all time. So I just, yeah, man, it's, it's a little bit of a bummer that it's an end of an era. And it's one of those things that's like nostalgic that time keeps passing and that, you know, time waits for no man type of thing. But you know, really happy for him and his career. And it is, it is crazy. Like you said, that he, you know, he's had almost three of my careers, um, <laughs> his one career, which is pretty wild. Yeah. And it's not like you had a short career. Yeah. Um, you, you've had an, you had a nice run in the league. He played 20 years, uh, in new England and then three more in Tampa. He's 45 years old. Um, which is, I don't know the next time we'll see a guy play that long. I mean, for context, like I think Rogers is 38. Mm -hmm. or 39 um so he'd have to play six or seven more years and it doesn't to get feel to like where brady can, is and it's so weird like everyone's like quarterbacks are playing longer now and that's true they are playing longer you know quarterbacks would kind of retire in that 33 to 35 age but because of the protection rules they're getting now which i think are, are good rules yeah you know they can play a little bit longer but you see russell wilson kind of seeing his end you see peyton manning you see drew Brees. you see these guys who again, we're kind of in that same bucket as Tom. And then he just kind of kept going. And I think that longevity is something that is so unprecedented, man. And, and it's, it, it was, I just caught myself lucky to have seen it. You know, it's like one of those historic things, like you're going to tell your kids about like, Oh, I got to see Tom Brady play, or I got to play against Tom Brady or, or whatever it is. So, um, it's really cool. So his teams never had a losing season until this year Tampa Bay, yeah. um and he still made the playoffs in a term just a torrid nfc south um but he never missed the playoffs in his career um he you know that 2001 year comes in for drew bledsoe they go 11 and 3 next year they actually only went 9 and 7 um but then all the way through pretty much double digit wins not pretty much is double digit wins every year obviously he had the torn acl in 2008 uh, in the first game of the season, but like just looking through these numbers feels fake. I mm -hmm. mean, it is absurd how consistent he was. I, and I should say 2002, they did miss the playoffs. Um, the year in between the first Super Bowl win and then, mm. uh, you know, Oh three, they make it back. And then Oh four, Oh five, um, I think are the years oh, that he three, dude, how crazy yeah. is that to throw that number out there? Yeah, two, I mean, playing. his first Super Bowl wins 2001. It's crazy. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's truly remarkable just what he was able to do um, over the course of time. I will say one of my favorite stats uh, is that he, it was like last year, two years ago, he crossed a thousand yards rushing for his career, <laughs> um, which was just hilariously funny. Um, but in terms of passing yards, obviously what he did um, and accumulated is going to be hard to beat because he was so excellent for so long and that's the thing is it's kind of like what lebron's doing in the nba yeah. right now where it's like okay sure are there other guys that were better at their peaks maybe maybe but he's right there his peak is as good as anybody's mm. and they just stay there for so much longer like michael jordan sure if you want to say he was a better basketball player than lebron james fine but like lebron is playing at basically the level that jordan played and lebron's been playing for 20 years for 20 years. And that was what yeah. Brady has done. Um, and, and I think that 
it is remarkable to kind of talk about some of those details and what makes him so great because he's not like it's 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 easier to figure out what makes Mahomes great, right? Mm-hmm. And to an extent, it was even easier to figure out what made Peyton Manning great. And I will mm-hmm. admit that like back in the day when we were having the Manning Brady debate, I know Brady had the rings, but I was like, I don't know. There's just something about what Manning does. Right. And I think over time, like I just came to appreciate and it's my understanding of football grew. I un- I appreciated and came to really understand what made Brady so special. And it's right. that he is probably the best decision maker to ever play that position. He just makes the right decision faster than everyone else all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this is the coverage. These are the routes. This is where the ball should go. I put it exactly where it's supposed to be. And it's not this, you know, Peyton Manning gets to the line of scrimmage, decipher the defense, call a new play, Omaha this, shift that. Like, he just got up to the line. Brady would, you know, figure out, okay, I see through your disguise. I know exactly what you're doing. I know what we have called. This is where the ball should go. And I put it exactly where I'm supposed to be Mm -hmm. or where it's supposed to be. And he also had some other like subtle skills. He's one of the best movers within the pocket we've ever seen. He manipulates the pocket for space. And like, it's been really cool to, I think, to actually watch Mahomes show off that skill the last couple of weeks because he can't run out of the pocket Mm -hmm. uh, with the ankle. But with Brady, it's like that and the decision-making, that's it. Like that's the greatness. And it's so distilled, but it's the most important skill that a quarterback can have. So he's the best ever at the most important skill, and that's why he's the best quarterback ever. Yeah, and a couple, couple things I want to talk about there. Like, one, one, I got a little story. So when I went and used to catch with him, it happened probably three or four times. Like, he's out there with, like, just him and, like, a couple of his boys from the area because he's from Cali, and they're all just kind of cutting up. And then he gets back, and he starts throwing the football, and, like, he's like, you know, run a dig, run a comeback, run a go, and you just kind of stand there. And I don't talk. I just catch a football and then get it back to him. And I remember he was we were running comebacks, you know, so you're outside the numbers at like that 18 to 20 yard range mm-hmm. and you're working back to 15. And he would and we did probably five of them. And on the first two, the ball was like it was perfect ball, like really catchable football, like right on my outside shoulder. And he kind of was like, no, nope, do it again. And I was like, what? Like, you know, I, I didn't I didn't ask him, but he kind of saw that I was like, what's the deal? Like, these are perfect throws. And he's like, I want to hit you right on your Adam's apple every time. And if he didn't get it, he was going to be like, we're going to do it again. And the fact that we were only out there for an hour and 15 minutes, I think is a testament to how accurate he was. I'm not kidding. Like, and to have your, to to give yourself that standard and like, it wasn't like, how easy would it have been to be like, oh, I hit your outside shoulder. Like next one. It's like, no, I want to be here. And I just remember thinking like, that's like, that's like that, like Michael Jordan. That's like that LeBron James. That's like that Kobe Bryant, like weird competitiveness with yourself that really makes you great and it's something that you you know like when i played like i took like that's a small moment that was like five minutes of his time but i remembered that throughout my career and i try to apply that to everything you know so yeah the very cool experience but also kind of speaks to that kind of uber competitor and also i think it's really crazy that people fans are now saying like oh patrick mahomes is better than tom brady like i think patrick mahomes is a fantastic football player but when you've done it for 23 years now we can start talking about them being in the same conversation it's not only about longevity but it's about that consistency consistency you were talking about right Right. winning records playoff appearances super bowls and it's so funny because i was the same as you i was like peyton manning does more for the indianapolis colts than tom brady does for the patriots but the fact that he's just been able to keep going and evolve i think evolve as the game has evolved has been a testament to him to go to tampa bay and change the offense 
elevate that group of playmakers. Again, like he's just, there's nothing on his resume that makes you think like, man, there's someone's done it better. There have been guys with stronger arms. There have been guys who've been more accurate. There have been maybe better decision makers at certain points in their career, people who are involved more in the offense, but no one's done kind of the average or the aggregate better than him for a long time. And I think that's, you know, again, like we don't, you know, like there's that story about the guy who, um, who, uh, who was arguing Peyton Manning's hall of fame appearance. Have you heard the story? And he just uh, gets so yeah. So basically, like you, you have to like put a pack together. Like, oh, he rushed for this many yards. He oh, the, you're talking about like in the the yeah. room. Yeah, 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 yeah in yeah. the room on the day. And dude just gets up and is like, "It's Peyton Manning," and then just sits back down. And like that's all he needs to say. And I feel right. like I, I, you know, emphatically, Tom Brady's the same way. It's like when that day comes, you just stand up and be like, "Hey, Tom Brady." And then everyone's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, first ballot Hall of Famer." Yeah, you know, first ballot, let's, let's not waste our time. Yeah, right. Well, we don't need to even talk about it. So. Like we could talk about all the things he's done, but they're so well documented, they're so well storied. Like, what's the point, you know? Yeah, um, I would say that it, while it is a documentary made from a point of view, uh, the Brady ten-part series that he did with ESPN, like it's that. very clearly made by Brady. And there's some points in there that I wish there was, you know, a, a more journalistic person asking questions and then control of the final cut and like maybe go a little deeper on some things. But they do touch on some of the controversial stuff, and I do think there's a couple points where Brady doesn't look great on certain things. Mm. But all in all, like it's a fascinating look inside his brain. In the same way that uh, you know, The Last Dance was a fascinating look inside Michael Jordan's brain. Like, right. is there is there clear editorial control that Jordan had on some level over that documentary? And should that be accounted for and and thus it's not his entire story? Yes. Um but you also definitely get to see inside his brain. And I think that the Brady thing is the same. The Derek Jeter doc also, by the way, the same way and would highly recommend mm. all three of those. Um, but going back to just to appreciate the detail that we were talking about with him. Um, if you were to say Steph Curry's got a workout and he's got to make 500 shots, like he'd be out of the gym in 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, to, like you were saying to like, Hey, it's gotta be here. It's gotta be, you know, on the Adam's apple and to be out there for an hour 15. If you told us like, Hey, uh, you guys combined, you got to make 300 or you got to make 500 shots. We'd be in the gym longer than Curry would by a lot with two basketballs. <laughs> and if you said that we had to swish everyone or it didn't count, right. we'd be in the gym. Like we would just be stuck there forever. Mm. Like they yeah. would never, we'd, we'd be toast. Um, and by the way, a lot of NBA players would also take double what it would take right. Steph Curry. Um, and, and he's their peer allegedly. So like that, that kind of intricacy from someone like Brady, I think is so masterful. And to keep that over the amount of time, I will say, you know, I, cause I've been thinking a lot about Mahomes, obviously with the Super mm -hmm. Bowl coming up and he's now hosted five straight AFC championship games, yeah. won three of them. You know, he's either going to have two Super Bowl runner ups and a win or two wins and a runner up. He's got the best start to a career. He's yes. passed Brady for that mantle. Right. Um, best start to a career. And I also think Mahomes plays quarterback at a higher level than anyone we've ever seen. He's just different. It's like, he, I, it's right. Like he just does. He's just capable higher. of more stuff. He's like, the, he is the modern quarterback. You know, he's yeah. got mobility. He can play within structure and timing. He can, you know, do off schedule stuff. He can scramble and he, and it's not like labored, you know, like when you're watching like Russell Wilson, who's, you know, one of the, maybe the best scrambler of a generation or best extender of plays. Like for him, he had to extend the play because he couldn't see from the pocket all the time. He couldn't see the middle of the field. 
like Mahomes, that restrictions doesn't apply, right? It's not like Lamar Jackson, who's this tremendous runner, right? And elevates the offense that way. He has that ability, but it's like, it's, he is what everyone is now looking for. It used to be the next Peyton Manning used to be the next Tom Brady, but quite frankly, from a skill set standpoint, it's the next, next Patrick Mahomes. And so, you know, it's it, like, that's why Josh Allen is so dynamic, right? It's that right. kind of guy that can win with the legs, but also can play from the pocket. And I totally agree with you. Like, even though Brady right now, like you'd say is a better player, like the person that if yeah. they can, if they can string like a 12 year career together doing this, like it's obviously Patrick Mahomes, you know what I mean? Like it's right. So. And that, that's the thing is the difference is like, there's a different conversation to be had of like, who's the greatest ever, the resume, all of that. Right. And then you're talking like Brady, Montana is probably second. Manning is right there, right. you know, and some other guys that, that certainly deserve to be mentioned. Um, but in terms of like whose peak is the highest, I right. think Mahomes has that, um, which is remarkable. And the fact that it's led to a Brady like level of success is remarkable as well. And like why he gets to enter that conversation at such a young age where someone like Brady has set the bar so high. It's like, well, it, you know, he can't, he can't play longer yet. Um, he's right. limited by right. time, but you know, in terms of, uh, and again, this is like a compliment to Brady, um, especially for younger fans that don't remember early Tom Brady, um, because early Tom Brady, if you know, you could be 20 years old and like you weren't around for the start of his career, literally, mm -hmm. um, like the only guy that has the resume early in his career, like Mahomes has was Brady. And the fact that that dude just retired and that career started nearly a quarter century ago is remarkable. It's, All right. It's, sorry. Just really quick. Uh, yeah, no, let's, let's wrap up with your final thought on it. It's, it's like, it's like the Rob Gronkowski thing. I know that sounds crazy to compare. Patrick no, I, I think I know where you're going, but like, you know, Rob Gronkowski was the most dominant tight end in the NFL for like a five year span. And like he is in the Hall of Fame for because of five years, and it's like people put him as the number one tight end of all time because of those five years. And I and I don't want to say Patrick Mahomes is not going to play another down of football, but that is kind of if Patrick Mahomes were to retire today, like he goes down as maybe not the best of all time, but definitely he's in the conversation. It's like this dude was like incredible, like that. And like, right. people, like people need that kind of context. Like he is doing. Rob Gronkowski level stuff at the quarterback position, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, totally. And obviously it doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime right. soon. Um, I will say about Brady actually is just a final thought too, though. He did so much with, I don't want to say so little, but like a fairly yeah. average set of weapons his whole career, which is why like the 07 Brady season with Randy Moss where they yeah. should, I mean, it's again, the giants beating them in the super bowl is it's the greatest upset of all time for a reason. Um, what he did that year with Randy Moss, it's like, oh, you want to see what I what I can do when I have right. one of the greatest wide receivers ever? I'm going to smash the touchdown record. Okay, <laughs> thanks. I got 50. Um, talk, and so, yeah. you know, when we talk about the longevity, um, it's the longevity of greatness. Like his right. peak, it, it's not maybe Mahomes level because he couldn't run around and like throw from all the arm angles and do some of the crazy stuff that Mahomes, is do that Mahomes does. But even without that, his production peak is basically as high as Mahomes was. Right. Um, and that is a testament to the greatness and just how good he was at his particular things uh, as well. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. We will be back on Monday on YouTube, Tuesday in your audio feeds with Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. And of course, Logan will have the rest of his week at the Senior Bowl as well to talk about. So that's still to come uh, here on Take Command. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening or watching right now. And we'll see you next week.